0: Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. And we pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Bless you everyone. It's so good to see everybody in the house of God tonight. If you'll pray with me before we get started. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful day that you've made for us today. God, I pray that you bless each and every one in this place tonight. God, I pray that you'd reward each and every one for their faithfulness to your house. Please, Lord, bless this word tonight. Anoint it and bless each heart in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening, everybody. It is an honor to stand before you tonight, and I always want to give honor to our pastors for allowing me this opportunity. I really appreciate it. And I've been in prayer and I just pray that this will bless everyone tonight. So let's get started. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I hate running. I hate it. I don't care if it's Black Friday and everything's on sale. I ain't running. You want the deal? Go ahead. Be my guest. If you ever see me running, don't ask questions. You better start running too because either there's a fire or somebody stole my phone and I'm going to need your help chasing them down, okay? (laughs) It was seventh period, my last class of the day in high school. I was dressed out in shorts and a t-shirt bearing the school mascot. I focused on my pink tennis shoes as I made the walk with my PE teacher and a handful of other classmates to the high school track. Now, why was I, the girl that hates running, anywhere near the high school track? I should probably tell you that I was a straight-A student in high school, except for P.E. I had a B in the class, and my goal in high school was to graduate with a 4.0. Well, you don't get a 4.0 with a B. Sorry, it just ain't going to happen. So here I was on the high school dirt track for one purpose to run a nine minute mile. This was not my first rodeo. You see, the first time I ran the mile, I came in at a whopping 13 minutes. Mostly because I got a side cramp halfway through and resorted to power walking like some out of breath marathon runner. Bless my little heart. Well, my poor time, as you might guess, resulted in my A in the class dropping to a B. So I went to the PE teacher, her name was Coach Looney, and I said, hi, is there any extra credit offered in this class? I just need to bring my grade up. And she said, nope, no extra credit. She saw my face fall and she said, but you can rerun the mile. If you can come in at less than nine minutes, Jessica, I'll bump your grade back up to an A. Challenge accepted. So here I was, back on the field for round two. Coach Looney walked me to the starting line and raised her stopwatch. I looked out at the vast track in front of me. The sun was beating down, so hot, in fact, that I could feel the heat coming off of the track through my tennis shoes. On your mark, she called. I readied myself. Get set, she yelled. I leaned forward. Go. I charged ahead with all of my might. My- This was not just a run around the high school track. For me, this was not just a nine-minute mile. This was my grade point average. This was my college entrance. This was my future, and this was my Everest. I ran as fast as my legs could carry me. The first lap was a success. I blew by Coach Looney in the starting line, and I kept on running. I was halfway through the second lap when I started to feel it, a shooting pain up and down my right side under my ribs. I did my best to ignore it and kept moving forward. Somehow, I ran past Coach Looney and began lap number three. My throat was dry, I was sweating, and the pain in my side continued to worsen. My feet started to feel heavy, and my eyes started to burn with tears at the thought and the possibility that I might not make it. And then I heard something. I thought it was the sound of my heartbeat, but no. It was footsteps behind me. I thought I was on the track alone. The sound drew nearer and then a voice. Come on, Jess, you can do it. You've got this. Keep pushing forward. It was none other than our school track star and my friend Julie. She had somehow made her way to my side and ran in step with me. I was so out of breath that I couldn't even speak. My side was hurting so terribly, and my feet felt like they were going to give out on me, but I nodded at her and pressed forward. Don't give up, she called to me over the sound of our feet pounding in the dirt. Out of nowhere, I felt a burst of energy. I was not alone. I pressed forward and began running faster. Faster, Julie called from behind me. Move faster, you've got this. She slowed and hung back to let me pass her. I flew around coach for a fourth time, my final lap around the track. Suddenly, I forgot the heat of the day, I forgot about the pain, and I just ran. I was closing in on the finish line and looked back. Julie was nowhere in sight. I turned my attention forward and there she was, standing next to Coach Looney, cheering me on at the finish line. Keep the pace, she screamed, jumping up and down next to coach. I picked up my pace and ran past Coach Looney. I slowed to a walk and tried to catch my breath. My vision was blurred. My side felt like it might explode. And my throat felt like it had knives at the back of it. I turned to face the coach for the verdict. She held up that stopwatch and smiled. Eight minutes and 32 seconds. You did it, Julie jumped up and down and hugged me. Congratulations, Coach Looney said, noting my time on my clipboard. On her clipboard, you get an A. The pain and the struggle to achieve my goal no longer seemed important. I had achieved my purpose. Tonight, just for a few moments, I want to talk about pursuit of purpose. By definition, purpose is the reason for which something is done or created, or for which something exists. But for our purposes tonight, purpose is the reason for which someone is created or for which someone exists. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good, to them that love God, and to them who are called according to his purpose. Each and every one of you have been called for a purpose. We all have. And when I was a little girl, I would frequently march up to my mother and announce what I was going to be when I grew up. I think all kids at some point do that. Each time was different because almost weekly... I was reading a new book or watching a new movie that inspired a brand new career path. She heard everything from lawyer to actress, and her response was always the same. With conviction, she would say, you can be anything that you want to be. I believed her with every fiber of my being, and then I would skip off to practice my British accent for my upcoming film. (laughs) Purpose is a curious thing. We are all born with one, and some children know from a very young age what they will be when they grow up. You hear about that Grammy Award-winning singer that at the age of two or three held a hairbrush up to her lips and belted songs at the top of her lungs. Or that young boy that spent every free moment shooting hoops at the neighborhood court, and now he's a professional basketball player. Or maybe that little girl that took such good care of her dollies growing up, and now she's an exceptional mother. For some, purpose is evident, right from the start, right off the bat. Others may discover their purpose later on in life. Regardless if you know your unique purpose or you still have yet to discover it, there's only one purpose that we all share in common. Everything that we say and everything that we do should glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm going to repeat that again. There's one purpose that we all share Everything that we say and do should bring glory to the Most High God. should make people stop and question and say, you know what, there's something different about him or her. You can clearly see the fingerprints of God on his or her life. But there are five things, I believe, that can keep us away from our God-given purpose. And we're going to address all five tonight. The first is a major one. It's distraction. This is huge. In our society of constantly evolving technology, it's so easy to be distracted by things like social media, Netflix, and instant information. Or maybe we're distracted by temptation. Or perhaps we're just distracted by the cares of this life, like where our next paycheck's gonna come from, or how to keep a roof over our head, or how to feed our family. I get those kind of distractions. But as long as we stay distracted and focused on everything else but what we were put on this planet to do, then we fail to carry out our God-given purpose. Scripture tells us in Mark chapter 4 verse 19, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. So all these things in the world can choke the word in our lives, can choke God's purpose in our lives, causing us. The bearer of fruit to become unfruitful. First Corinthians seven thirty five says, "And this I speak for your own profit, that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction, that we can focus on the Lord without distraction." Our second is comparison. Yeah, I, I thought such and such was my purpose, but so and so's already doing it. So, what? Imagine if doctors said that. Well, I feel a call to be a doctor, but there's already a bunch of people doing that, so no. We need you. You bring something different to the table. You are going to specialize in something that we need more of. Theodore Roosevelt said that comparison is the thief of joy, and I couldn't agree more. Maybe we're not getting caught up in comparing our purpose with someone else's. Maybe we're just getting caught up in comparison in general. Well, the Joneses got a new car, so I need to get a new car. Or the Smiths went on vacation again and posted about it on social media, so I need to start planning a little trip somewhere. Sally posted that she got a new job, so should I look for a new job? If Sally's job wasn't working for her, should this job be working for me? Comparison really is a thief. It can rob us of so many things. Joy, contentment, peace, and confidence in our purpose. And let me tell you something right now. Critiquing or comparing your talents to someone else's will never push you closer to your purpose. Ever. It will keep you from it. Second, Second Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So the Bible clearly says if you're comparing yourself to someone else, if you're comparing your journey, your path to someone else, you're not wise. Galatians 1 10 says. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. It's not about pleasing men. It's not about what the person on the right or the person on the left is doing. I need to be in communion with and pleasing God. Galatians 6, 4 says, But let every man prove his own work, and then he shall have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. So we can rejoice when we've achieved that thing that God has called us to do. The third is imitation. Nobody likes imitation anything. The first time I was introduced to imitation crab, I was like, what? What, even, what is this little rubbery casing around this like white fish? Imitation crab, that's what it is. Does it taste like crab? Absolutely not. But it's the same color, so okay, God bless. But imitation anything isn't great, right? But when I was in high school, another high school story, I so badly wanted a Louis Vuitton handbag. Well, a Louis Vuitton handbag was not my parents' idea of a good investment, so they were like, Ah-ha! "No." God bless you, though. Here's a Jansport backpack if you want. We bought it from Walmart. God bless. Your books are over there, right? But at my request, my sweet mother drove me and my sister into downtown L.A. because my solution to this Louis Vuitton bag problem was a little knockoff action. They'll never know, I thought. So my mom took me to Santee Alley. We parked the car, and we began walking down that alley of merchants and all those vendors selling their best wares. I should say finest wares, right? Blessings. Well, five stalls down, there it was, my book bag, an oversized Louis Vuitton handbag complete with a metal label plate. I was sold. I didn't even have to ask how much it was, I'm like, Mom, this is the one. And my mom was like, hold on a second. She's like, excuse me, sir, how much is that bag? He said $100. I said sold. I'll take it. Mind you, I cleared out like my entire piggy bank for that situation. No help for mom and dad because, again, the Jansport backpack was all I was being provided, and rightly so. Well, a few months into the school year, I was walking proudly with my tote bag in hand, and one of the straps busted How embarrassing. Because the girls with the actual Louis Vuitton handbags are doing just fine. But mine busted. Why did it bust? Why did the strap break? It wasn't the real deal to begin with. And you know what? A fake can never hold up under pressure. You're not cut out for someone else's path, destiny, or purpose. You were created specifically for your own. You will always fall short t- trying to be someone else or attempting to live someone else's destiny. And you know with social media nowadays it's like, oh, she's doing that. I better sh- I should probably do that too. I think it's a new generation now. It's a generation of distraction. It's a generation of comparison. It's a generation of imitation because we're always so busy looking at what our neighbors are doing, what our friends are doing, what that girl I went to high school with is doing. Who cares? Are you living your purpose? That's all we need to ask ourselves. We have a specific purpose. Psalm 139 verse 14 says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. The Bible tells us we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Every time we strive to be more like someone else other than the person God created us to be, we're kind of slamming the creator. Every time we try to fix something about ourselves that is a talent, it's an ability, it's something that makes me different than you or you or you, I'm kind of slamming the creator. He made us all uniquely different for a purpose. 1 Corinthians 11 says, Be ye followers of me, even as also of Christ. The only one we should be following, we all follow people on Instagram, we all connect with people on Facebook, but the only one we should be comparing to or looking up to is Christ Jesus. I'll never stray if my eyes are fixed on him. As long as I look up and I see him, I'm going to start walking a little bit better. I'm going to start walking less in step with the world and more in step with Jesus. And point number four. Fear of failure. This is a good one. Sometimes the only reason that people don't go after their purpose is simply because they are afraid of failing. I think that's a major reason why people don't go after their purpose. We're afraid of failure. What will people say? What will people think about me if I just don't make it? But guess what? Failure and mistakes are all part of the process. Think back to that time that you first learned how to ride a bike. Boy, I sure remember. My dad finally thought I was ready, took off my training wheels, I rode solo down to the end of the cul-de-sac, and I turned too hard. I fell off of my bike, gashing my elbow. So what did I do? Well, do you know me? I left my bike at the scene of the crime, and I walked home. My dad's waiting for me expectantly at the end of the street, waiting for me to ride back proud that I had finally done a ride without my little training wheels on. There was no bike, just me walking with a bloody elbow. And I walked right past him into the house, and he's like, where's your bike? I go, it's I, it's down the street. I'm injured. I need a nurse. I This is not for me. So bless my dad's heart, he had to walk past the neighbors all standing watching the whole thing. Hi, yeah, that's my daughter. She she didn't make it. Woo! Um, See, so this is, I have no coordination. This is why this can't happen for me. But anyway, bless his heart, he picked up my bike at the end of the street and had to roll it back down. But imagine if my parents' response to that, to my first falling and skinning my elbow, was, you know what? <laughs> this whole bike riding thing just, Really isn't for you. It's not your cup of tea. So you've kind of failed. Right? No. <laughs> She laughs at everything I say, okay? I gave her $5 to laugh, and she's doing a really great job, so great. (laughs) But the same, you guys, goes for our purpose. As long as we are on our God-given path, every time we make a mistake, we just fall and get back up again. We're learning something new. Maybe we're learning what not to do or what we can do better, you know, mistakes are really great teachers if we're willing to listen. Who knows who Thomas Edison is, anybody? Who? What did he what did he do? He invented what? Electricity. Love it. So he invented the light bulb. And I got to tell you a little story about my man Thomas Edison. His teacher said he was too Stupid. Imagine this. His teachers are quoted at saying Thomas Edison is too stupid to do anything. His first two jobs fired him for being, quote, nonproductive. So couldn't make it in school, went to go to work, couldn't make it in work. His first two jobs fired him. And as an inventor, Edison made 1,000 unsuccessful attempts at inventing the light bulb. When a reporter asked, how did it feel to fail 1,000 times? Edison responded, I didn't fail 1,000 times. The light bulb was an invention with 1,000 steps. Some of us can't fail five times without giving up. I was ready to give up. I can't even remember the last time I rode a bike because mine's probably still down the street. (laughs) Half, Half the time, we're like, you know what, that just didn't work for me, so I give up. We're in a society of uh, I give up. I'm going to go try something else. But I love that story because he saw it as steps. He saw failure as steps toward the end goal versus something I needed to be ashamed of or, oh, no, I'm at 999 We have to learn, and mistakes are how we do that sometimes. It's how we grow. And rest assured, if it's your God-given purpose, the Lord will give you strength to dust yourself off, pick yourself back up, and keep on running. We should never fear failing. What we should fear is living and dying, never having lived, never having discovered our God-given purpose with our potential buried right alongside of us. I know that sounds pretty harsh, but I think that's worst of all. I'd rather fail publicly at something God has called me to do than be buried never having tried. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of God may rest upon me. He uses weak people. Why? Because then he gets the glory. He gets the glory, and that's that's what we want. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, And patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope make if not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Patience is part of the journey. There's all these teachers that God sends because he's just preparing us. He's strengthening those leg muscles because that race is forever. That race is your entire life. Psalm 73, 26 said, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And one of my favorite scriptures, Philippians 4.13, I can do what? All, All things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Our last point tonight is fear of success. What? Who's afraid of success? A lot of people, actually. It's proven. Sometimes people don't start because they're afraid of success. They are afraid of change. Success would bring change, wouldn't it? Maybe you fear being known or the intention that might come from success. Think about it. You can't be a Grammy singer without being known. What would success look like in your friendships, your relationships? What would success look like in your life in general? People that fear success tend to start projects, but they never finish them. They speak about really grandiose dreams and ideas, but they never take any action to achieve them. It's interesting because Thomas Edison is credited with the invention of the light bulb. But in my happy little research, there were other men before Edison that were on the same path. They came really close, and their prototypes were even used in front of lectures and for demonstrations, but their designs were impractical for use. When Edison came along, he realized what some of those problems were with his predecessor's attempts, and he continued a thousand more times until he had reached success. I wonder, how many steps away were those other inventors from success? before they just kind of gave it to Edison. And in some cases, a lot of those inventors sold their patents to Edison because they were like, all right, well, I guess you won. I'll sign over my patent to you. You can buy it from me. How many steps away were those other inventors? Understand, you will only ever get the credit if you don't give up. I hope that you realize and step into your purpose, that inner pull toward what you were created to do. I hope that you dream big dreams, dreams that excite you, dreams that make your heart beat a little bit faster, dreams that release a a flurry of butterflies in the pit of your stomach. I hope that you dream God-sized dreams which on the surface seem impossible. Enter God. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... When our side starts to hurt, we will never, even if we live out, and I pray we all do, I pray we all live out our God-given purpose, that potential that's within all of us, but even so, it will never come close to the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us on Calvary. We'll never be able to reach that. But boy, the least I can do is live out whatever God has asked me to do. This life is a race and we're all running in it. It's not always going to be easy. And sometimes throughout the race of life, we'll get that side pain under our right rib cage. It will be hard to put one foot in front of the other, hard to stay the course. Sometimes we will trip and fall and we will have to pull ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and keep charging forward. James chapter 1 verse 12 said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. God will equip us for the journey he has prepared for us, the purpose that he has carved out for you. God is the creator of our day and the author of our story. Just when we think we aren't going to make it, that's still small voice will say, keep up the pace, don't give up, keep pressing forward, you've got this. And when our finish line brings us to heaven, we will meet Jesus face to face, and I believe he's going to be at that finish line cheering us on and saying in Matthew 25, 21, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Would you stand with me? What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast and may God bless you.